everybody, welcome to the X Report. I'm Raven X, and alongside me, as always, is Biggie, aka Ethan Tate, aka somebody I'm sure who is hoping to see more Traylon Burks in this week's preseason game. How you doing today, Ethan? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm definitely, I definitely was kind of disappointed by his performance. Yeah, I thought we were gonna see more of him, but I mean, I guess they're just trying to ease him in. Uh, but luckily, there's still two preseason games left, so there's plenty of time for him to show what he can do. Speaking of showing what he can do, we got a lot to talk about across the NFL landscape from Lamar Jackson. Will his, will his deal get done? Roquan Smith, who are the top three best teams that he would fit with? We're going to, of course, break down the AFC and NFC North. And then moving on to the NBA, we're going to look at some of the premier matchups that have been announced and discuss which Christmas game we are most looking forward to. But before we get to that, please be sure to check out the xreport.net. I repeat, the xreport.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow exploit writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast and our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Also, for my football fans, specifically the fantasy football fans, this season's uh, 2022 Fantasy Football Guide is out now. Be sure to find that. Listen to that on all streaming platforms, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. We got you covered be sure to check that out we just did our draft last week i did another draft on saturday so i'm getting excited i love fantasy football season and the only thing that's better is when real football is played so be sure to check that out but speaking of football being played it will no longer be played by running back james white as he announced his retirement after several seasons in the nfl that saw three super bowl championships so congratulations to him on his retirement and let's talk about somebody who's not going to be retiring anytime soon and that's Lamar Jackson whose name has been brought up quite a bit as it relates to contract talks with Deshaun Watson's big deal Kyler Murray getting his deal everyone's wondering how much money is Lamar Jackson gonna get however he seems to not be worried about it in fact setting a deadline saying in a recent press conference that week one is the deadline for contract extensions as he wants to be able to focus purely on the season so Ethan in your opinion will the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson get a contract extension before the season opener or do you think we're gonna have to wait till next offseason for Lamar to get his money I think we're gonna have to wait till next offseason um because I just feel like if they were able to get a deal done it would have been done by now and I mean honestly we only have a handful of weeks before the season kicks off and I think that you're not if they haven't made any major leeway now it's not going to get made in the span of maybe like four to five weeks. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. Whereas, I, I, it's weird because I'm I'm one of those Baltimore fans who isn't upset that he had, doesn't have a deal because not to be you know negative, but God forbid he suffers another big injury again. We would have to pay him significantly less money this year if he didn't have a great year, if he wasn't healthy, as opposed to what he could be making this upcoming year. And honestly, I feel it's one of those things where a deal probably should have gotten done um, a while ago. I don't necessarily know what the holdup is because it seems like Baltimore is wants him around. They want to give him 
uh, keep him in the fold, and rightfully so. He's a former MVP, one of the winningest uh, quarterbacks of all time before turning 25. So I hope that they're able to get something done, but I'm on your side here. I don't think it happens till next year, which, like I said, don't think it's going to be end of the world. Speaking of what may be the end of the world, though, in Chi-Town, linebacker Roquan Smith took to social media to address his current issues with the new Bears front office, who, which he said he's requesting a trade because they have refused to negotiate in good faith in a very lengthy statement he said this I want to be a bear for my entire career and help this team bring back a Super Bowl to our city however they have left me no choice than a requested trade that allows me to play for an organization that truly values me and what I bring to the table now you and I are both teams who could use an upgraded inside linebacker. And if you guys listen to our linebacker ratings, you see that we both have Roquan Smith pretty high up. So what we're going to do is rank the top three teams, which would serve as the best fits for Mr. Smith. So, Ethan, I'll let you go first. Who's your three? My three is the Grand Bay Packers. Dang. That that just wouldn't be fair. Getting a linebacking core of him, Devondre Campbell. They just drafted um, Quay Walker. That'd be nice, but I, I think the Bears will be out of their minds to trade him in the division, especially to their rival, but that would be a great addition for them. All right, my number three is the Washington Commanders. You look at this defense, and they looked like they have a lot of potential at – every position or at least every level defensive line one of the best in football their secondary Kendall Fuller has been solid safeties have shown some flashes but it's that linebacker spot that comes with questions I think Roquan Smith could, Roquan Smith could come in and help elevate that defense to a new level all right who's your number two my number two my number two is also the Washington Commanders all right my number two is the Baltimore Ravens and no it's not me being biased I love Patrick Queen. I think he has a chance to really evolve. However, one of the things that has helped Baltimore's defense be so good is the fact that we typically have a star run linebacker, and then we have another running a linebacker in that uh, second middle spot who is good and also can produce. I think that if you get if the Ravens are somehow able to get Roquan, they get their star. PQ gets the opportunity to learn behind one of the best in the league as well as evolve his game, not have to focus on having as many responsibilities. And I think that it was another case of just making this defense even more unstoppable. All right, and then number one, who you got? Number one, I also going with the unbiased, but the sound biased I'm going to Tennessee Titans. Um, this past season, we had a top 15 defense, and we had a really, really good front seven. But the one thing that we lacked as a part of our front seven is we had – Weak middle linebacker play. David Long, he he showed flashes of being a playmaker and linebacker, but in my opinion, if you can get a guy like Rohan Smith who's younger, you can pair him up with the Jeffrey Simmons, and I think both of those guys are like 25 and 24 respectively. You can potentially have a duo to um, anchor your defense for the future. I respect that. My number one, I'm going with the Denver Broncos. This is another team that looks like they have a lot of talent. Patrick Sartan obviously leading the charge. Spent big money on Randy Gregory to have him come in and help shore up that line. But when you look at linebacker, I mean, Josie Jewell is fine, but they recently have suffered injuries at the position. It just makes too much sense to bring in a middle linebacker to really help them out, especially because 
while they do have some talent, one could argue that their front seven may be the fourth best in that division with the Chiefs having guys like Frank Clark and Chris Jones, Willie Gay has shown some flashes. We already know what the Chargers and Raiders have, so getting Roquan Smith could really help put them over the top and make their defense even more surefire as they go into a tough season. But I... Things are looking tough for quite a few people, starting off for Browns wide receiver and kick returner Jakeem Grant, who looks to be out for the year after suffering a torn Achilles. And then the New York Jets have been hit pretty hard by the injury bug, starting with Makai Becton uh, this past week at practice. It seems that he's going to be out for the year after suffering a fractured kneecap. Um, unfortunately, like I said, that could potentially be ending his year. And then the, during their preseason game against the New York Jets, I mean the Philadelphia Eagles, Zach Wilson went down with a non-contact injury, and it turns out he suffered a bone bruise and a meniscus tear and is expected to miss two to four weeks and will be undergoing surgery to correct his injury with his status for week one being unknown. Now they tried to kind of re re-up the loss of uh, Makai Becton by signing Dwayne Brown, but Ethan, in your opinion, do you think that the Jets' season is doomed before it even starts, or do you think that these injuries won't have too much of an impact once the season rolls around? Um, I think the I think the Makai Bigman injury is going to play a major impact simply because he's out for the year, and he was one of those guys that was going into this training camp. He had a lot of um a lot of positivity looking towards him. He he got in shape. He was looking to have a dominant season. And I think, yes, you could bring in Dwayne Brown. And honestly, I think that he's a good replacement level player. But you bring in, you're losing arguably one of the best offensive linemen in the league. And as far as that, I think the only way it really will affect their season is honestly, depending on how long he's out. If he misses week one and he's able to come back week two and he's fully healthy, and he's able to show the progression that he's made from year one to week year two. I don't think it's going to be that big of a drop off. Yeah, I think the Makai Becton blow is a lot bigger just because last year he missed significant time. This was supposed to be his prove-it year. You know, so many people questioned if he was in shape, if he was ready to take that next step. This could have been his opportunity to show that he was not only ready to take that next step but proved to be one of the better tackle tackles in the league. So it's unfortunate that he's going to be out. And then with regards to Zach Wilson, I mean, even if he does miss week one, it's a very long season. He'll have 16 more games to show what he can do. I think long as that injury isn't exasperated, again in a form in a following game i think that they'll be just fine but all right let's go ahead and move on to our breakdown of the afc or nfc north ethan i'll let you pick you want to start off with the afc north or nfc north today let's start AFC. All right, bet. Let's talk AFC North, which houses my Baltimore Ravens, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, and Cincinnati Bengals. So, Ethan, who would you say is the most underrated team in the division? Most underrated? I am going I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens. I think a lot of people have played complete negative contrast to, okay, they lost Hollywood Brown. They don't have, like, an established receiver. Their defense isn't as good as it's been in previous years this past season. But I think that the Ravens are those type of teams where it's like the minute you start to count them out, they come in and they have a season to where they make it deep in the playoffs. And I think that this Ravens team 
regardless of like all the other talent in the AFC, I think they still could have a chance to make a deep playoff run because like you're bringing back Lamar fully healthy. He seems to have gotten bigger as well. He's also seems to be wanting to improve as far as his passing game and he wasn't that great at this past season, which is making plays down the field. Yes, he doesn't have Hollywood Brown, but you have a guy with Sean Baker who shows last rookie year to being to potentially taking over that number one spot and you still have his security budget and Mark Andrews. And as far as the defense, you have you have both of your corners coming back from injury. You mentioned Patrick Queen, like yes you would want to kind of um put him next to another star linebacker, but he's a great he's a really good linebacker in his own right and you have you still have a really good defensive line. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. As much as it pains me to say, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know that there are a lot of questions regarding, you know, what life after Big Ben is going to be like. What Mitch Trubisky are we going to get? How is Kenny Pickett going to look? But when push comes to shove, I mean, the Steelers are the Steelers. And in saying that, I mean, they're one of the most consistent organizations in football as we all know in Mike Tomlin's over 15 years at the helm has never had a losing season and if you look at what they did in this offseason especially offensively they added some great players George Pickens is already turning heads Calvin Austin a Memphis guy that you and I both love running backs are getting better added some pieces to their offensive line honestly at aside from cornerback and uh quarterback I like what the Steelers have to offer, and I think not saying that they're going to be a playoff team per se, but I do think that they're going to be a team that's going to be really competitive and shouldn't just be written off. All right, but moving on to most overrated team, I'm going the Browns. Take away the whole Deshaun Watson thing. I Their wide receiving core got worse over the past year. You lose Odell Beckham. Of course, it wasn't a fit, but still, Jarvis Landry's not there. He was your best wide out for the past several years. And Amari Cooper is great, but then it's a major drop-off between him and the other wide receivers behind him. Offensive line lost a big piece in um, J.C. Treader at center. Then Nick Harris, who's supposed to take over, is gone. Defensively, I everybody loves Miles Garrett, and rightfully so. Denzel Ward is a very good cornerback worth over $100 million, um, at least to the Browns. But if you look at that team from top to bottom, it's very top-heavy. And so because of that, there are some questions about if they're going to be able to replicate the success they had a couple years ago. Like I say, even if Deshaun Watson comes on the field, because let's not act like he's not a guy who hasn't played in over probably a year and a half, maybe two by the time he steps foot on the field again. So while the Browns have a few pieces that I like, I'm not biting that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender or even a playoff contender this year. Yeah, I'm going to agree with the Cleveland Browns. Like, again, aside from take away the whole Deshaun Watson debacle, just their roster, where if you think about it, they only have one legit weapon in wide out in Amari Cooper. And Amari Cooper is a guy that can kind of have questionable moments over the course of the season. Yes, you have Nick Tubb, who, in my opinion, is one of the more reliable running backs. But then the dynamic that you got that they have that they can rely on is the Mitchell Kareem Hunt duo. And Kareem Hunt is requesting a trade. And we don't know that like they're actually gonna trade them, but it's a possibility that they might um then like you said on defense, you look at Miles Garrett, 
he's a he's a flag bearer in the, in the pass rush position along with TJ Watt. But outside of that, you don't have any really good pass rush. Like you, you re-signed to Davion County and he's underperformed his whole career outside of two seasons. Um, you have um, what's the corner you just said? Denzel Ward. Yeah, you have Denzel Ward. But the rest of your secondary talent is iffy and best. So, I gotta go with Cleveland also. Alright, let's go move on to a positive note though. Our favorite de- favorite player in the division. This was, actually I almost lied. It wasn't that tough for me. But who's your favorite player? Um, this is tough because I have two. One on offense, one on defense. That's fair. You can give them both. Alright, so on offense, you know this. This is Lamar Jackson. Like, I love Lamar Jackson. I love his game. I love his swag. I just love everything I'm about to do. On defense, uh, Cam Hayward. I can respect that. Cam Hayward is a bad man. All right, my favorite player should come as no surprise to anybody is Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty. I mean, I'm an LSU fan, and Joe Burrow helped bring LSU a long-awaited national championship, was the best quarterback on the best offense in college football history, and I'll argue that point down with anybody. Comes to the NFL. Yes, it was disrespectful what he did to Baltimore on two separate occasions, but I mean, I love Joe. Kind of like you were saying with Lamar, I love Joe's swag. I love how he's just Joe Burrow. And I'm excited to see what he continues to do on a pro level, even though I still want Baltimore to get a Super Bowl before the Bengals do. Uh, but other than that, love Joey B. All right, moving on to prove it year. I'm going to stay in Cincinnati, and I'm going to say Jamar Chase. Don't get me wrong. Jamar Chase was terrific last year as a rookie, had over 1,400 receiving yards, broke multiple different Cincinnati Bengals records, was just a wrecking shop. However, if people are already anointing you as the third best wide receiver in the league, you're going to have to prove it. And you, it can't. it's not going to be just one year of you exploding. you got to make it a consistent thing. And while I have no doubt that he's going to continue to be a tear in the league, a lot of people are going to be questioning if he's going to be able to put up the same numbers that he did last year, similar to what Justin Jefferson had to go through in his sophomore year. Uh, for me, my first year is, honestly, whoever ends up being the Pittsburgh's going to start in quarterback. That's fair. Whether it, whether it be Mitchell Trubisky or Kenny Pickett. But it looks like for the time being, it's Mitchell Trubisky. And just the thing of it is, like, when he was in Chicago, he he wasn't as bad as people made him out to seem, but he wasn't great. And I, a lot of it had to do with the play callings that, that he was under. They didn't really scheme around his strengths. They kind of screamed around what the coach likes, the coach, the offensive coordinator likes to do. Um, and I think in Pittsburgh, he comes with a lot of questions. I think he's a guy that's actually going to perform better because now he's set, he's set behind Josh Allen. He learned from their quarterback's coach that has, because him and Josh Allen have a similar skill set. But I think whoever takes that, that starting job, they're going to have to prove it because, I mean, the Steelers, they, I mean, regardless of what you want to say, Big Ben was a Hall of Fame quarterback, and this is their first season without him. So somebody's going to have to prove that they're able to take the reins of the organization. That's very true. All right, 
let's go ahead and move on to breakout player. Who you think's breaking out this year? Breakout player in the AFC North. Hmm. Mine is a very not let me not say off the wall, but it's a very uh it's a deep cut. It's it's somebody who you, most people probably have never heard of, but I have a lot of faith in him this year. Honestly, I'm going to say Rashad Bateman. That's fair. I, I, There were a couple Ravens who I could have said, but unfortunately something in me just wanted to give more credit to the Steelers. I'm going to go cornerback Arthur Mollette. He's a guy who's kind of been a bit of a journeyman over the past few years, but it seems to have kind of stuck and found a roster spot for himself in Pittsburgh. As I mentioned earlier, I don't necessarily love the Steelers cornerback room. They're asking a lot of Kella Witherspoon, Cam Sutton, as well as Levi Wallace. They just signed a free agents. However, Arthur Mallette is a guy who, wherever he's played, he's been productive. He may not be a household name or somebody who really flashes off the tape, but he's consistent. If you're going to catch a ball on him, you're going to earn it. He's a terrific tackler. And I think that with a cornerback group that is full of unknowns I think that he's going to really emerge and supplant himself as a starter in this league and make some really good moments for them and possibly even carve out a long-term role with the team and not to mention he is a former Memphis Tiger so definitely rooted for him in that regard but our rookie to watch there's a few rookies I could have went with, but I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to say Baltimore is Tyler Linderbaum. I know that Kyle Hamilton was the sexier choice um, at safety with the 14th overall pick. Everybody talking about how much of a steal that is, blah, blah, blah. But if you watch the Ravens' offensive line last year, you know that Lamar spent a lot of his time running for his life. With Tyler Linderbaum, that does not happen. The best center coming out of this past year's draft was terrific at Iowa. I know people may be questioning him because he's a bit undersized, but when you watch this man play, I think that he's going to prove that he's more than willing to take on NFL competition, which I think is going to really help Lamar Jackson stay upright and get the ball out to these receivers hoping to make a name for themselves. Uh, for me, I'm going with Pittsburgh wide receiver George Pickens. Uh, honestly, I think when you you just they just gave Deontay Johnson a big extension, you still have the question mark around is he going to be able to actually live up to that contract because he has to get over his drop issue. You have Jamar Chase who has shown tremendous flashes of having number one wide receiver potential. But he, ha- but he hasn't put together a um, consistent, complete season. So I think this is um, the perfect opportunity for him, for Pickens to just step in and like potentially take over the number one wideout room and make plays. I mean, he's already made a couple plays this preseason, so I could definitely see it happening. Yeah, he was a he was an easy one. I tried not to say him because he had a beautiful touchdown against fellow rookie Kobe Bryant in the Seahawks game. I mean, he's that's a bad dude right there. All right, bold prediction for the AFC North. Bold prediction. Uh, no, nah, it's not. It is kind of bold. My bold prediction is Lamar's going to be top five in I can see that. All right, mine is bold, yes, but then again, not bold. Okay, so... Nick Chubb is going to lead the league in rushing yards. However, the Browns will still finish owning a top seven uh, draft pick, even though technically it won't be their pick, it'll be Houston's. But yeah, I'm just, like I said, regardless of if 
Deshaun Watson plays or not, I don't love this receiving core. And so because of that, I think it's going to be kind of going back to the early days of the Browns offense where they just ran the ball a ton. And I think Nick Chubb is going to be the benefactor of that, especially if he stays healthy. I think he is going to be running all up and down the field because the passing game is just not really going to be able to get things done. And I think that's going to end up costing them some games and eventually leading to them having a top seven worst record in the league. But at least Nick Chubb will look good. So shout out to anybody who gets him in fantasy. And our last question, who wins the division? I've said it before and I've said it again. I think every team in the AFC has made some solid moves. Trying to vie for the title, but I still don't think anybody has done more to unseat the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think they repeat as AFC North champs. Yeah, I, I agree as well. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the NFC North, visiting the Packers, Bears, Vikings, and Lions. Ethan, what team is the most underrated in that division? Uh, I think we both might have the same answer here, but I'm going to say the Detroit Lions. Yep, totally agreeance with you. Um, I don't know if you watched the first episode of Hard Knocks, but one, it was a blast to watch, and two, I just think that this is a team that may not have a whole bunch of household names, but they have guys who get the job done. And I'm excited to see how Dan Campbell and his staff is really able to help piece that together and see how everything goes. All right, in terms of most overrated team, I'm going to go the Packers. And it's weird because I don't think the Packers are like a crazy, oh my gosh, the Packers are going to be blow everybody. I don't think people have that perception of them. I just think that they're not going to be this offensive powerhouse that we had become accustomed to seeing. I think Aaron Rodgers is still going to have a fine year, but I think they're going to rely more on the running game and their defense, something they haven't done in a long time. So I just don't think the Packers are just going to be this, what, 14-3, and 13-4 squad they were last year where Aaron Rodgers is just going crazy. I think they're going to be not middle of the pack, but not not one of the best offenses we've seen. Let's say that. Yeah, I agree with you with the Packers. All right, who is your favorite player in the division? Favorite player in the division? Hmm. It's tough because my original answer is asking the division anymore. Okay, Hicks. Yeah, right when you're asking the question, I was like, he don't play for no more. Nope, he's in Tampa uh, now. Yeah. Um, I am going to say Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is a bad man. Uh, My favorite. See, there's a lot of LSU Tigers who I have loved forever in that division more specifically on his same team. So I, I couldn't pick between the two. So it's Justin Jefferson and Patrick Peterson. I know Patrick Peterson isn't the guy that he was when he first came into the league in those first six seasons, but, man, Patrick Peterson can still ball. Probably my favorite LSU Tiger of all time. And then Justin Jefferson is arguably my favorite player in the league. Actually, he is my favorite player in the league. So I just love them both equally. All right, so prove it year, staking in Minnesota. I got to go Kirk Cousins. It seems like every year people are trying to talk Kirk Cousins out of Minnesota. And not to say that he has been a terrific quarterback, but, I mean, he's been top 15. You could do much worse with Kirk Cousins, but a big knock against him is that he has a lot of toys in his arsenal, but unfortunately he just cannot get it done. And it's not totally all on him, but there have been games where he is just disappointed. So you're getting a healthy Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, um, Justin Jefferson back, KJ Osborne, Sean Flash is your offensive line is supposed to be better. 
Kirk Cousins has to put forth a good year this season, or it maybe really will be curtains for his tenure in Minnesota. So what I'm going to say, it might be a tad bit shocking, but once I explain, it'll make sense. Okay. For me, the proved year is going to be the Grand Bay Packers running game. That's fair. And the reason I say this is because these past couple of seasons, they've had a, a really good rushing attack, but they've also had to they've paired them with one of the better passing attacks in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And now you're in a situation to where we don't know what the receivers are going to look like for Aaron Rodgers. So I think in short, like you said, they might focus a little bit more on the rushing attack, but which in turn is going to make defenses bring more attention to the rushing attack because if they feel like they, they can kind of handle the receivers in one-on-one situations, they're going to load the box. And we haven't seen the Packers play against a lot of loaded boxes simply because you don't want to leave a corner one-on-one against Devontae Adams. Yeah. So I think that they're going to have to prove it this year. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point um, with regards to them. All right, so who's breaking out this year? Who's breaking out? Hmm. Is it bad that I actually want to say it's weird? I want to say Justin Fields. No, I mean if you feel it in your heart, go ahead. Like I, I don't, I don't think that like they're going to have significant amount of wins, but I think that like he's going to make a progression in, in his second year. I don't think he's going to be like a world beater, but I think he's going to have like. You're going to look up and it's going to be like, oh, I didn't realize that he was this good this year. It'll be interesting. I mean, I hope that the talents around him help him do that. But one of his uh, teammates is actually who I have breaking out, and that's tight end Cole Komet. Going into his third year in the league, he's shown flashes and has gotten better each year. And I think that without Jimmy Graham there, I think it's really going to open up more opportunities for him to fully take over that number one tight end role. We know about Darnell Mooney. He's been their number one wide receiver. Um, Questions remain if he could be a number one on a different team, but at least in Chicago, he's the guy. And I think that Cole Kameka really helped him out by having a big year himself. All right, rookie to watch out for. I'm just going Bears heavy. I'm going Jaquan Brisker safety out of Penn State. Honestly, while I still say that the Bears should have hit on a wide receiver uh, with one of their second-round picks, I love Jaquan Brisker coming out. He was actually my favorite safety of this past year's draft class. I mean, just because he's a great in coverage, he's a really solid tackler, he's physical, he gives everything to the game. And, I mean, I know it's just a preseason, but he looked great against the Chiefs uh, when he played. And I think that that's only going to lead to more opportunities, especially when he's uh, tagged up with Eddie Jackson back there at safety. So I cannot wait to see what Jaquan Brisker does this year. Um, for me, my review of watching that division is Aiden Hutchinson. I think that, for one, I think the story is dope with him being a Michigan kid getting drafted by his hometown team. And, I mean, you saw it in his first preseason game. He made an impact literally the first play of the game in a big tackle for loss. And I think that he's going to be like a somewhat hot, like J.J. Watt 2.0. I don't know if he's going to be as successful, but I think he's going to have, like, a decent amount of success. 
Yeah, I think Deshaun, I mean not Deshaun, I'm sorry. I think that Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a bad man. All right, if you had to guess how many sacks he get as a rookie, I'd say eight and a half, nine. I say between seven to eight and a half. Nah, that's not bad for a rookie. All right, bold prediction. What you got? Bold prediction. Uh, I got it. Bold prediction. I mean, honestly, he should with the weapons he has. Uh, my bold prediction is this is the last year of Aaron Rodgers. I know he signed a two-year extension, but there's no guarantee he's going to play out those past two years. While, you know, he mentioned Ayahuasca helped him rediscover his love for the game, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he's got a lot of young cats around him. And not to say he's not still going to be great, but I just – I, something in me just tells me this will be the last we see of Aaron Rodgers, especially if, uh, especially if they don't reach the Super Bowl. I mean, especially if they win the Super Bowl, I really think he's done. But yeah, I think this is it for Mr. Rodgers. All right, who's winning the division? I I feel like I've picked them multiple times in the last few years, and they just keep disappointing me. But dang it, I'm going the Vikings again. Yeah, I, I'm actually not. I'm just gonna go Packers. That's why the Vikings are that's fair. I, I still feel like Vikings make the playoffs, but, I yeah, I feel you. I don't think the Packers – I'll say this. I think it's like they both wind up with, like, a 11-6, 10-7 record, but the Vikings get it because they have the tiebreaker. I don't think it's going to be like they're going to run away with the division by any means. I, but then again, I'll probably be wrong on the Packers win, which would surprise nobody. But, all right, let's go ahead and talk preseason week two. Some – Interesting games taking place this week. Um, Ethan, I think I sent you the pre- uh, the schedule for this week. So, which what's your preseason game of the week? Which one are you most interested in? Um, I think preseason game of the week, the one I'm the most interested in going, looking at the list is, for me, it has to be the Eagles and the Browns. Simply because I think this is going to be for one, this is going to be, I think, the game where the Browns find it. Just ditch this whole, like, let's try and put Deshaun Watson on the field. They're just going to solely drop Jacoby Brissett. But it's really just the end game of week for me because it's like, it's week two of seeing Jordan Davis and the Kobe game. Yeah, we're actually in agreement. I have um, that game as well. I do think we're going to see Deshaun again. One, because he looked terrible and really rusty against the Jags and went, went one of five for seven yards. And it's not totally his fault because his receivers were dropping the ball, but he looked he looked like somebody who hadn't played an NFL game in over a year. So I think he is going to play more this game, especially if he does – well, not if. When he is suspended, they want him to at least get some in-game action. And then, yeah, I'm going to just piggyback off of you. I mean, I love what I saw out of Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean last game. And I want to see if uh, Jordan – I mean, not Jordan. Jalen Hurts in this offense, if they do play at least another uh, – drive if they're able to put forth the magic that they were able to um against the Jets so it'll be a lot of fun to watch all right let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery and we're just talking quarterbacks because that's what everybody does so let's start off with the Cleveland Browns as is mentioned um the NFL has uh appealed uh Deshaun Watson's original six game suspension while it has not been announced what his new suspension is going to be I think everybody can kind of assume it's going to be at least double digit games and possibly even the season which has made people think that maybe the Browns should add another quarterback 
Mary Kay uh, Cabot of ESPN said the Browns will look into acquiring Jimmy Garoppolo, depending on how long Deshaun Watson's suspension is increased. And Colin Coward uh, seconded that by saying it will be a good idea, saying this will be a very easy transition. He's a big, he's big game Jimmy. He's been up against Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray on national t- television. If you're going to convince me that Jimmy Garoppolo would not make a difference for a losing franchise, you're out of your mind. So, believable or buffoonery, the Cleveland Browns should pursue Jimmy G. Believable. I'm going to go with their fairness that they should have pursued him before they pursued Deshaun Watson. I feel that. It's definitely a cleaner prospect. I'm going to say buffoonery just because on the one hand, you already have a quarterback hot mess, quarterback controversy in Deshaun Watson. So let's say Jimmy G comes back, comes this year and plays well, maybe even leads out to the playoffs. What are you going to do with them? Not to mention he has a pretty hefty contract. Are you just going to trade him? You just going to cut him? What about Deshaun Watson? What about if Deshaun Watson isn't suspended for the whole year and he could come back? It's just so many questions that will come with it. And I, I agree with you in the sense of had they got Jimmy G in the first place, it would have eliminated a lot of these questions. But I just think because they have already thrown themselves into the fire with Deshaun Watson, they're going down with the ship. I think they just kind of have to take it just because by adding another quarterback that aside from a guy like Jimmy, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, I just think it's just going to add a lot more problems than it's you already got. So I'll say buffoonery. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Carolina, a team who acquired the Browns' former quarterback, Baker Mayfield. And it seems like they're not really trying to have much of a quarterback competition as reports have come out that the uh, Panthers have been shopping previous starter Sam Darnold but haven't found any takers, unsurprisingly. But believable or buffoonery, Sam Darnold will be traded from the Panthers. I say buffoonery just because there was hardly any market for Baker Mayfield, really not much of a market for Jimmy G. And Sam Donald is not better than either of those guys, so I think he's going to be there by default. I say, but I say believable, and I'm putting a caveat on this because I think it's going to be a team that has a starting level quarterback that goes down, and they're going to take a flyer on Sam Donald. Now, real question becomes, are they going to take on his $18.8 million contract? Because that's another that's, thing holding up. That's true. Uh, I mean, depending, I think it really just depends on the team and, like, their cap space. Like, if you have a team with high cap and, like, they have a chance at winning, they might take their chance. I think it's going to be another deal, like, with Baker where his contract, I think, what, how much did the – pay i think the browns ate like at least 10 mil of that i think if the panthers really wanted sam Darnold gone they would have to eat a bulk of that contract and probably take like a late pick next year in order to make that happen but all right last one let's talk about another quarterback in the nfc south who many consider to be the goat and that is tom brady who announced by todd bowles was going to be away from the team until after their august 20th preseason game for personal reasons. However, it seems that there may be more going towards that. Reportedly, Tom Brady reportedly looked miserable at the last practice before taking his personal leave, um, with reports coming out from the Boston Globe saying this, I do wonder where his head is at right now. He was so good at 44, there is no doubt in our minds that if Tom Brady is fully committed, he can have a terrific season at 45. 
but there are definitely signs that his head is not fully in it. I will not try to be body language police, but I was at the Bucks practice yesterday and he looked miserable. Now, he did retire earlier in the offseason, does have over $300 million coming his way once he retires after signing that mega deal with Fox. So, believable or buffoonery, there's a strong chance that Tom Brady may retire before the start of the season. I'll call it buffoonery. I think that when you're, when you're a guy from one with the amount of years that he's had in the NFL, Training camps and preseasons, they always annoy you because you just feel like you're going through the same thing that you've gone through for 20, 19, 20 years. And whatever this personal issue is, we don't know what it is, but it, apparently something is bothering him. So once he gets that corrected, I'm sure he'll come back and he'll be back to being same old Tom Brady. Yeah, I'm calling buffoonery as well. I just think it's just a matter of, like you said, I mean, he's been doing this for over 20 years. I don't, what do I need training camp for? And he's not like, it's not like he's going to be playing in the preseason. So, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you. I don't think it's too much to really read into. But, all right, let's go ahead and move on to the NBA, starting off with the Bill Russell news. The NBA has announced that in honor of one of the greatest of all time, that they will be retiring the number six jersey league-wide. However, current players who currently wear number six, such as Alex Caruso, LeBron James, and others, can keep the number, but once it is they retire, they the number is officially done. Which has brought up some interesting questions about, well, if Bill Russell's number is retired, who else's number will be retired? So, Ethan, what do you think? Do you think that the NBA is going to start making this more of a tradition of retiring league-wide numbers? And if so, who's up next? Oh, I think they will, but I think the only way that they will do it is kind of in the, under those same pretenses of, like, a great legendary player passing. And so, like, it makes it harder for me to, like, say who I think is next. And it's also harder because a lot of the, the greater players, like, they've had other great players share their numbers. Like, I'm thinking about, like, an Allen Iverson at number three. It's hard to say you're going to retire the number three jersey because you look at, the like, the lineage of other great players in the NBA that's had number three. Like, Dwayne Wade. Yeah. Chris Paul. Uh, he's not – He's a, a really good player right now, but like CJ McCollum, it's a lot of great players. I mean, even when you think about the number 23, like you have Michael Jordan, obviously, but then you have LeBron gone 23 for a uh, majority of his career. But if I were to say anybody, I probably would say Jordan. Yeah, I would think so, too. I remember when Kobe Bryant passed away, a lot of people were wondering if his number was going to be retired. A lot of players actually changed their numbers to honor him. So, do I think Kobe Bryant's number should be retired? Yeah. Which one? I don't care. Just one of them. But I don't think that's going to happen now, especially since it's been a couple years since he's passed. So, yeah, the only other player I think they could do it with is Jordan. Because, I mean, and it also, shortly after they came out that the Miami Heat were planning on retiring uh, LeBron James' number six jersey. But it's still, to me, it's like, well, the numbers are retired, but I get what they're trying to do. And, I mean, if they were to retire 23, which I could definitely see them doing, I mean, 
that's really it. Honestly, that's the only other number I could see them doing. Because, like you mentioned, it has to be, like, an uber legend. Like, Bill Russell is a mecca of the game. I know a lot of younger generations, younger people may not know the impact that he had. But, I mean, he was, not only was he a terrific basketball player, but he really helped change the game in terms of being a big man. He was an activist, 11-time NBA champion, was one, I believe, the first black NBA head coach. I mean, he's done so much to break down barriers. So, I get them doing his. And so, I don't think... Aside from MJ, there's really anybody else whose number you could retire like that. And also, I think because six isn't that popular of a number, I think that's another reason why they're like, they're kind of cool with doing that, which would make it harder for like a 23 or something like that. But we shall see. All right, let's go ahead and talk this upcoming NBA season. While the full season uh, has schedule has not yet been announced, we do know that the Los Angeles Lakers will meet the Golden State Warriors on October 18th to open the season where the Golden State Warriors will have their ring ceremony. So that'll be interesting. But even more interesting, let's talk the Christmas games. And the slate was announced as follows. The Milwaukee Bucks at Boston, uh, Philly at New York, Phoenix at Denver, Lakers at Dallas, and Memphis at Warriors. I think I already know what you're going to say, but... Of the Christmas games, which one are you most excited for? Christmas Day Warriors. Of course. I mean, honestly, looking at the slate, aside from Milwaukee and Boston, it's for me, it's easily Memphis and Warriors. Yeah, and I mean, it's also the Grizzlies' first time ever playing on Christmas. Yep. So, like, for me, as a person that lives in Memphis, that's been a Grizzlies fan, basically from the inception of them coming into the city, like, that's a major accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be dope. I, I'm i in agreement with you. I mean, it's obviously this game. I think it's going to be a blast, especially if the Grizzlies can continue to build off of what they were accomplished last year. And then it seems like there might be a nice little rivalry brewing between both teams. So getting that on Christmas, being in the biggest slot that the Grizzlies have had thus far, I mean, I'm – it's going to be a great game. But all right, let's go ahead and talk some free agency buzz. Things are quiet down a little bit, but the Kevin Durant sweepstakes still seems to be going on. In fact, um, it was reported last week that Kevin Durant reportedly views the 76ers and the Boston Celtics as desired landing spots. But there are questions of if uh, Kevin Durant will even be able to handle what life is like in Philly. Uh, Clint Coley on Scoop B said this. He said he doesn't have the mental toughness to play in Philly. Now we know throughout football, basketball, baseball, pretty much every sport, Philadelphia fans are some of the toughest to please in all of sports. So Ethan, in your opinion, do you think that he'll be able to handle the, let's say, backlash that could come from 76ers fans? Uh-uh. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I don't think so either. And also it begs the question of, who would you give up? You're not moving Joel Embiid, so I'm guessing it'd probably be a case of Tyrese Maxley. I'm sure Tobias Harris will be in there. Maybe James Harden, but the Nets already had James Harden and it didn't work out. So it's like, and I know it, and then unless they throw in a whole bunch of first round picks, I mean, I don't see that happening. I just don't see this working. Yeah, I mean, 
but it's cute to talk about. Uh, it's talking about things that are cute. Everybody loves a reunion, and apparently the Denver Nuggets have been discussing a possible reunion between themselves and Carmelo Anthony. Do you think that if had he jo- if he were to join the Nikola Jokic led team, that the Nuggets would be much improved, or do you think it wouldn't work out? I'm not gonna say I think they'd be much improved, but I do think it'll work out because you're talking about uh, Carmelo Anthony that's finally over the course of these like recent years of being in the NBA, they've shifted having a reduced role. Um, if this was Melo a handful of years earlier where he still felt like he was a like top player, top offensive player in the NBA, then I don't think it works. But I think you could bring like this is the version of Melo where it's like honestly you could bring him off the bench and he could be a really productive piece for them off the bench. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think that it could work out. As you mentioned, this isn't a mellow who you're expecting the the smooth and the stars from like you just need him to come in come off the bench provide some solid scoring which I think was kind of the Achilles heel of the Nuggets a season ago and then with Will Barton out I think he could potentially fill that role so I think that it could make some sense all right last but not least before we move on to believable or buffoonery Jordan Poole was a guy who in over the course of the year was making a lot of noise and was coming into this offseason as a restricted free agent and Technically, teams could still take a shot at him if they so desire. One Eastern Conference executive said that the Orlando Magic could be a team to pursue Jordan Poole in free agency, saying, I'd watch out for the Magic to be ready to make an offer if he's restricted, knowing there's a good chance the Golden State Warriors will not match. So, do you think that the Magic will be making the right move going after a player like Jordan Poole, or should they stick with the young guys they already have in tow? To me, it just doesn't make sense. Like, because, and the reason I say this is because you drafted Cole Anthony, who's a guard. You draft, huh? Oh, I was agreeing with you. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you drafted Cole Anthony, who was a guard. You drafted RJ Hampton, who's a guard. You brought in Gary Harris, who's a guard. Um, I'm trying to, no, they didn't draft a guard this draft. But, like, you have a lot of young guards that you can develop and bring in. And also, I think another thing to think about is, like, we don't know what Jordan Poole looks like outside of the Golden State's um, offensive philosophy, where it's like Steve Kerr gives players a lot of freedom to play their game in their offense. Like, you see Jordan Poole pulling up from 30 just like he's still. And, like, who's to say you bring him into a structure with you're coaching Orlando and you try to rein him in and he completely drops off. So I don't, I personally just don't think it makes sense. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I wouldn't make this move either, especially because there's no telling how much money you'd have to take because I think it'd be a matter of overpaying him to make sure it's something that the Warriors wouldn't want to pay. And then you don't exactly know if he's really ready to take over that superstar role or at least to be the face of your franchise. Because, I mean, you did just have the first overall pick and get him chip and chair out of Duke. So I don't think I'd like that move either. All right, let's go ahead and play our game of believable or buffoonery. This is something that happened within the last 24 hours, and that is Giannis Antetokounmpo, who has on numerous occasions expressed his loyalty to the Milwaukee Bucks and kind of has explained that he doesn't really want to play in big markets. However, he said one team may be the exception. 
uh, when asked about the potential of possibly playing for the Chicago Bulls, he said, it's a no-brainer. Everybody would love to play for Chicago. Down the line, you never know. Maybe I play for Chicago, but for right now, I am committed to Milwaukee, which I'm sure some Chicago Bulls fans have got really excited about while some Bucks fans are probably crying in a pillow. So, believable or buffoonery, some kind of way, Let's say in the next three to five years, Giannis Antetokounmpo will make his way to the Bulls. I think the only way he'll play for the Bulls is if he's like later in his career. I don't think he'll be playing for the one he's still in the position of being one of the top best players in the league. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think that, no offense to the Bulls, but I mean, if you look at their current roster now, DeMar... DeMar DeRozan, I don't think he's going to be there a few years from now because he may possibly retire because he's, in terms of basketball age, he's a bit on the older side. Lonzo Ball, there's a question about if he's going to stay. Same for Zach Levine. So it really just comes down to is the roster that he will be joining in Chicago better than what he may have in Milwaukee, a team that he already has chemistry with, has won a uh, ring with, and more importantly, will do whatever it takes to keep him. Yeah, I don't see him leaving that. So I'm calling buffoonery on that as well. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Victor Oladipo, who, as we all know, prior to sustaining multiple injuries, looked like one of the best young players in the league. However, injuries have kind of subsided that. However, his confidence remains the same, saying, I'm one of the best players in the world, period. Uh, Pre-end, to be a quick reminder, especially in his Pacers years, he was a bad man. Two-time All-Star, uh, was an All-NBA selection in the 2017 season. 2017, a steals champ, was voted most improved player in 2017, made the All-Rookie team. Uh, so let's let's not say best in the world because we know that's unrealistic. But let's say Victor Oladipo remains healthy this whole season. Could you see him being a top 20 player in this league? I'll say buffoonery, but he can definitely be impactful. No, and I agree. He won't be top 20. He can be in Yeah, no. No offense to Victor Oladipo, though, because he's had some flashes, but it'd be one thing if he at least was starting, but he's not even a starter, so I'm not buying that. All right, let's go ahead and talk the Lakers because, unfortunately, they're always a subject of conversation. And reports have come out about a recent meeting between LeBron James and Lakers head coach Darvin Ham, where they discuss what would be the offensive plan for the team and here are a couple things to come out of that uh reportedly the team plans to run the offense through anthony davis while seeing also an uptick in russell westbrook's corner threes now i don't know if we're going to see more corner threes from russ but believable or buffoonery it's a good idea for the lakers to run the offense through anthony davis uh i'm going to say believable when he's healthy because when he is healthy He's shown that he can have the production of a top 10 player in the NBA. And LeBron's getting older. He has a lot of miles on him. And I think LeBron's still going to be a productive player, but I do think that at this point, you're going to have to kind of maybe switch it up and run the offense through AB. The only caveat is, is how long is he going to stay healthy? Yeah, that's always the toughest part with regards to Anthony Davis. But, yeah, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's believable as well, especially because LeBron, while he seems like somebody who defies time and logic and all that, I mean, he is going to be 38 this year. He's 
he's not a spring chicken. You can't keep giving him such a heavy workload and expect him not to get hurt. We saw that last year as he was battling injuries, and you just don't want to run, run the risk of that again, especially with a team that still feels like their championship window is open. So, yeah, I'm calm believable on that. Hopefully AD can stay healthy, but we shall see. Uh, former NBA player Brandon Jennings had some interesting comments to make about the current state of the NBA, stating that it was a mistake allowing it to be a player-led league. He said, for one... He said, for one, whoever made this a player's league was the stupidest thing ever for the game of basketball. If I'm a fan of the game of basketball, why would I go to pay to watch players that can decide whether they want to play? It's a couple guys in the NBA that love the game. Outside of the NBA, outside the NBA, kids make so much money now you think they care. So, believable or buffoonery, the league being geared more towards player-friendly was a bad idea. Oh. I think it's a toss. It's a it's a mixed bag because in a lot of ways, I think them being a player friendly league has been what's kind of helped um, drive the newfound fandom of the NBA. Like if you think about it, everybody knows the top players in the NBA. Like everybody knows LeBron. Everybody knows Giannis. Everybody knows KD. Everybody knows Steph. Everybody knows John. But when you think about, and the reason behind it is because the NBA has emphasized, like, making sure that people know their best players and what teams their best players are on. Where you have a lot of guys now that they're fans of players and they aren't fans of teams. But if you look at it from the standpoint of, like, other leagues, look at the NFL. The NFL doesn't necessarily promote their, their top players they promote their top teams and that's why the younger fans are having issues with being fans of like NFL teams, MLB teams because like they don't necessarily want to be fans of teams, they want to be fans of players but I do agree with the whole concept of like giving players somewhat the freedom to decide like hey, I don't want to play these games, I'm going to sit out maybe it's a negative side effect of it but I think they it's done more good in the terms of like generating fanfare to make the league more of a player driven league. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that when you have a league that is completely run by owners or I guess the league itself, it does kind of become more stifling for players. So it does make it harder for them to not start, not necessarily love the game, but kind of feel that freedom of expression and freedom to be themselves, which is why it's so cool that the NBA is very big on pushing social justice uh, initiatives and allowing them to wear, you know, I can't breathe shirts and like speaking out in political protests. I think that aspect of it is very good because no league in the country is more vocal than the NBA. But on the other hand, I, I would agree with you with regards to like, it can be really frustrating because there have been times when star players just sit out games and then I mean you always hear about stories of kids or people who don't usually have the means to go to multiple games they're coming to see their favorite players and their favorite players ain't even on the court and that could be really demoralizing really frustrating and so it's definitely because of thing of like you want your best players playing if they're healthy enough to do so so I'm in agreement with you I think it is a bit of a toss-up but all right one more thing before we get out of here Everybody loves to play the comparison game, especially with regards to basketball. So let's play a quick round of who would win. 
between the Dream Team and the Redeem Team. Now, for those of you who do not know off the top of your head, the Dream Team was made up of Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Scottie Pippen, uh, Clyde Drexler, Carl Malone, great players of the late 90s, 80s, early 90s. Whereas the Redeem Team was made up of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade. This was about, what, 28, 2008? So, Ethan, in your opinion, Redeem Team or Dream Team, who would win? I ain't gonna lie. I'm biased. I'm picking Redeem Team. I, I think I'd go Redeem Team, too. Like, I feel like Magic and Michael and Larry will be able to hold their own. But then other than that, I think it'd be a bit, I think they would kind of overpower, get overpowered by the Redeem Team. And also, it's have a hard time going against any team with Kobe. But I think I have to go to the Redeem team as well. But, all right, that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, please be sure to check out the export.net. I repeat, the export.net for exclusive sports content written by yours truly and fellow export writers. Previous episodes of our lovely podcast, our YouTube channel entitled The X Report. Oh, fantasy football fans, be sure to check out that fantasy football guide. It's on all uh, podcast platforms. We got you covered. Ethan, anything else you want to say before we close this bad boy out? Oh, uh, I'm just—I know we're going to see a lot of stars in the preseason, but I'm looking forward to seeing. I'm still looking forward to seeing a lot of these rookies. Yeah, no, I, I love the preseason. I always tell people the preseason is a very important part. But I mean, casual fans—they're not going to care because it's not the big names, and that's okay. But for those of you who are football fans, check out the preseason, especially your favorite team. See which rookies and. Uh, late round picks from previous years and making some noise because who knows they might become your next star seen it firsthand but once again thank you guys so much listening and we'll see you all next time